Good morning. You are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, R.E.A. Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmandtheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person as I have several times at 42 West 18th Street. We are very excited today to have, if you will, part two of our show uh, on Teen Tech Week. Teen Tech Week was officially last week, uh, but in honor of teens practicing technology everywhere, we're excited to be able to ha- talk about uh, technology here. And we've got a couple of guests that we're going to have on with us this morning. Um, one of the one of the groups that uh, that we have, and we wanted to give a special shout out and recognition to, is a uh, shout out and recognition to is the robotics group from Lawrence High School. For those people not familiar with Lawrence High School, it's uh, one of the uh, prominent high school districts in the five towns, and it's a neighborhood that shows a tremendous amount of, I would call living together challenges. It's been a neighborhood that the demographics have changed uh, several times over the last, I'd say, decade, two or three, and uh, and recently, uh, in the past uh, two, three, four years, uh, we've gone from, uh, some acrimony and discord to a tremendous amount of harmony, uh, leadership and, and I dare say partnership. And, uh, uh, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, I wanted to give a big shout out to the Lawrence High School Robotics Club. I will have an opportunity to meet with both the teachers and, uh, the students, if not later this show, on another show. And, uh, one of the things that I find incredibly interesting about the robotics uh, course in the competition. Again, they came in second place in a statewide robotics competition. They were competing against schools from uh, some of the most affluent and uh, uh, prestigious uh, public and private schools from across the state. And uh, what's interesting and, and not well known is that Lawrence High School has uh, well over 60% of the students on free lunch, and that's not indicative of anything one way or another, but it certainly does uh, call to mind, if you will, if not our generation, but our parents' generation, for some of us, our grandparents' generation, uh, who came to this country uh, or brought up with, with very, very little and uh, were able to make do uh, and not only survive, but to thrive. And uh, one of the arguments that we've had over and over again on our show, Tech Talk, one of the arguments that we've had over and over again on our show, Tech Talk, is uh about the uh, equalizer that education is, and that's really important. And right now, uh, we have with us a special guest for us, um, Adam Jeroslam. Adam and I have known each other uh, for quite a while, and uh, Adam is uh, currently, well, I'll let Adam tell you the title. He's currently, in, in my mind, all things gross. And uh, ignoring all things gross, he and I had an opportunity to work together with NCSY. He and I had an opportunity to work together within the public school clubs uh, area, mostly on Long Island and JSU, known as the Jewish Student Union. And uh, and he was the guy who made everything happen in our region. He has a master's in mechanical engineering. In mechanical engineering. And, uh, and recently, after he transferred out of NCSY, working and uh, I'm not positive what he's allowed to tell us when he's not allowed to tell us, but he's going to give us a little bit of background from an engineering perspective uh, and then going to tell us about his current position at Gross and how Gross is really reshaping the way um, education works in our Yeshiva Day schools and, and how much gratitude and appreciation we should have to the Gross Foundation, but also to the individuals of the highest caliber like jo- like Jonathan, like Adam, uh, who have made this happen. Uh, so without any further ado, good morning, Adam. How are you? Good morning, Ari. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be on the show. Um, like you said, after finishing my master's uh, in mechanical engineering at NYU, I went on to a company called Electric Boat. We're designing nuclear submarines for the Navy. Um, I then did some private consulting here in the New York area for the rail industry, mainly uh, with the subways. Um, and then going back to my education roots I got at NCSY, um, I've been working under SIGE, which is the education branch of GRUS, um, developing engineering curriculums for high schools. Um, just about every single um, Jewish, yeshiva, orthodox, unorthodox um, Jewish high school in the New York metropolitan area um, is currently running our engineering curriculums. Um, we're in 30 schools throughout the country, all the way from New York to L.A. and down south to, start to Miami starting next year. Um, what we're trying to do is bring hand-on education into the classroom. Uh, there's currently nothing like it 
uh, in the country. Even the public school system is just starting to get on board with this. Um, we consider ourselves cutting edge um, from that extent. Um, what we're doing is we're bringing in hands-on practical engineering courses. And when I mean a course, I don't mean what you see now, what we they have going on here in Lawrence High School, which is incredible, um, the after-school robotics clubs. Um, here's a kit. Um, there's going to be a competition, you know, figure out how to get the balls in the basket, uh, hula hoops onto a pole, um, something of that nature. Um, we are a four days a week, full-time course. It's a curriculum. We're teaching them any, everything from the base circuits, um, how to build the robot from scratch. Um, programming is a very big thing nowadays. Um, we have a lot of that in the course. So we're not, we're trying to move it away from the engineering club aspect into the curriculum where these kids are, are really developing skills that they're using in all their courses. It's, when I say engineering, I mean mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, chemical engineering, uh, programming, computer engineering. All that is incorporated into a curriculum, which it sounds like how do you go from a club to a curriculum? We've already have two years of curriculum developed. Um, so students are taking this in ninth and 10th grade, We're working on 11th grade right now. And um, hopefully in the next few years, we'll, it'll be a four-year engineering curriculum um, that's really unprecedented, like I said. And the kids are just, they're e- eating it up. We cannot develop it fast enough. Um, Gruss or Saige now has five full-time engineers um, helping to support this, uh, like myself. And uh, it's really just been a huge success. Um, Gruss, thank God, has been helping tremendous with the funding, a lot of donors. Um, and we're really excited to where this is going. So I'll tell you, Adam. First of all, it's really a pleasure to have you on the show and to remind everybody out there that, uh, that, uh, they're listening to the Nahum Siegel Network and, uh, we are sponsored as always by Adorama Camera. Uh, find them online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Uh, and certainly as we talk about engineering and having the right tools is an essential component to getting the job done. And we know that Adorama comes through for us. They are much more than just a camera store. Um, you gave us a tremendous amount of information in just a, a brief period of time. I'd like to dissect uh, a little bit into a bunch of those different uh, areas. So the first and, and foremost is is why the emphasis on engineering? What, what's the big deal? Gross can focus in a lot of different directions. What's the purpose in focusing on, on engineering? And you, you list off three or four different types of engineering. We'll get into maybe the specifics of some of those later. But why is this a movement? And you see it across the board in education. Why has Gross decided to focus here? Um, I think you look at the country as a whole. is starting to, to see this now that we're really lacking in our engineering talent. Most of our engineering jobs come from overseas. Most of the engineers that get their education here end up leaving for jobs overseas. Um, the future of the job market, and if you read the job reports that come out quarterly, you'll see that the future of jobs in this country is through engineering. Um, we're moving back into the manufacturing, the development side of things, something that this country's really unfortunately had a little bit of a lapse in. Um, thank God our defense industry has, has been able to stay up to par, but they're starting to get a lot of competition from countries like China, um, out there in the East. So there's a big focus now, and it's not a yeshiva thing. It's a public school. It's the entire country that we need more engineers. We need to bring back, and by engineering, I mean math, sciences, physics, all of those, all of those courses. We need to start bringing those back into our educational system. And they call that, they call that STEM. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, STEM is the acronym. It's, it's the overarching, um, genre of curriculum. It stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. So anything that falls under those those four topics, they they give the title of STEM curriculum. And, and now, if you look at it, I mean, it's not what we grew up in. That's for sure. No, definitely not. And when we grew up, there was a focus on on history. Math was certainly focused mm-hmm. on, and science was focused on. But the people that I knew who took science, what I would say seriously, almost all of those were going into medicine. Yeah. Um, up until now, it's pre- predominantly been. You either become a math professor or you're taking it because you need it for your pre-med requirements. But we're, we're trying to bring it back that, and we see it now even on the low high school level. Kids, they just have no idea these topics exist. It was up until now, especially in, in the, in the yeshiva world, it was, I could either be an accountant or, you know, if I want to go a doctor or if I want to, you know, go out there on a limb, I could be a psychologist and of course the ever growing accounting field. But even that, that these scientific fields even existed. There's just so much excitement from the kids that, oh my gosh, you could, you could build robots. You could, 
find cures for diseases. And I'm not talking like in the sci-fi way where we do that in the course and kids are, are just becoming aware of fields that they never knew existed. And it's just, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. And it's clear that this is the way that the educational system in America is going right now, just from the excitement in the kids um, and the teachers who, are, who love teaching this kind of stuff. And I know my first phone call, I think, when I saw this commercial, uh, during election season, you see these commercials. And now uh, with Cuomo over here, he's done some uh, interesting advertisements for the new New York with these um, uh, tax-free zones and, and advertising New York as a place for startups, etc. You see a lot of these commercials, mostly during election season, uh, about uh, bringing manufacturing back. And Adam just pointed out, uh, and again, reminding our listeners that we're, we're blessed to have on with us this morning, Adam Jerusalem from SIGE, which is a division or related to Gross. Uh, we're, we're the educational division of the Gross Foundation. The educational division of the Gross Foundation and Adam's expertise, not only as an educator, literally par excellence. I have to tell you in my experience working with him in NCSY, uh, the brightest kids to the kids who were the most challenging, if there was an opportunity to have somebody succeed, we knew if we gave them Adam uh, that they would grow. And it's, uh, to me, very interesting because if you were to look at the um, different poles of, uh, of expertise, there's one pole of expertise that one would assume one would cover genre with an NCSY, the spirituality, the, the depth, the, the personalization, if you will. And if you look on the other end of the spectrum, frankly, engineering is a little bit more, I'll call it dry. It almost seems uh, more coldly scientific. And I think maybe one of the reasons why this job was created was for somebody like uh, like Adam Jerusalem to be able to go into our schools, which focus on depth and focus on warmth and focus on caring, but to be able to bring the color and the uniqueness. And, and as Adam has used the word more times in this interview than most uh, most people that we have on excitement. It really is. It's an exciting thing. And I want to talk more about how the students are involved. But before I started this little soliloquy that I got on for a moment, that they have these commercials that say manufacturing is coming back to America. And I immediately called Adam wondering if we were making more nuclear submarines. And he says, it's not true. He says, you have to understand that manufacturing as we understand manufacturing is not uh, what it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the steel mills in, in Pittsburgh, if you will. But the manufacturing is incredibly high-tech, medical yeah. devices, computer engineering, uh, so many different things. And and, and Adam is, is at the very forefront of pioneering, making sure that our students are capable of handling these higher-end manufacturing jobs. And my assumption would be higher-paying as well. Oh, yeah. When we say that, we're not talking about making, you know, ballpoint pens and bringing that back, you know, and uh, hangers, bringing that back to America. We're talking about 3D printing, um, custom stents. If there, there was a case just happened in the biomedical engineering field where a baby needed a custom stent for their trachea. Um, and within hours, they had one printed um, in, a, in a local university uh, on a 3D printer. We're talking about cars they have now coming out that, Make it impossible to hit someone. The car senses when you're going to hit someone and automatically stops. So when I talk manufacturing, I'm talking on the cutting edge, the high-end paying jobs. I'm not talking about, like you said, in, in the steel mill, which is still, I think, an important backbone of this country and I do think is important. Um, when we talk about manufacturing and design in this country now, we're talking about a whole other level. We're talking about a level where the entire world wants what we're making. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a totally different uh, genre, as we like to say, um, of manufacturing, but still manufacturing um, in extent. Um, and we're bringing 3D printing into the classroom next year. Um, every class is going to be, be doing 3D printing. Every one of our audience members wants to understand that. I want to take a moment just to remind the audience that they're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. You're here with Arya Lightstone, your host, and we are, again, really a special privilege to have a dear friend of mine, uh, a real innovator, Adam Jeroslam from SIGE, uh, the educational division of the Gross Foundation. You're listening to us on jmandtheam.org or on nachumsiegel.com. If you haven't yet downloaded our app, you should certainly do that. Uh, you can find us in any of the app stores. As always, we're proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store, and please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. So you, you've hit the hot button in my mind of things that I've read about uh, but want to know, have you seen a 3D printer? Yeah, oh my gosh. You cannot be involved in engineering without seeing or going to any university nowadays without seeing and experiencing 3D printing. It is, uh, it's really incredible. Uh, so, so tell us about it. Um, if I have to, I'm going to describe, assuming you know nothing about 3D printing, pretend you printed a ring on a piece of paper. You went home to your regular printer, an inkjet, a laser jet printer, and printed a ring, a black ring on a piece of paper. And you cut out that ring. So you'd have essentially a bracelet that was, 
a tenth or a hundredth of a millimeter thick uh, black ring. Now, pretend you did that a thousand times in a row, and you cut them out and you stacked all those rings on top of each other. So what you'd have now is a cylinder made of of a th- literally thousands of paper thin black rings, and that is essentially what 3D printing does. It prints drop by drop at a time on top on top of each other until you go from paper thickness to half inch thick, one inch thick, two inch thick, and the sky's the limit in terms of what you can print. Now, there's one other step. Now, pretend instead of putting your ink that you're buying in staples in the printer, pretend you put cells. So instead of printing a black cylinder, you've now printed a living vein or artery. And pretend instead of putting live tissue cells in your inkjet printer, instead now you put food, food, candy, sugar, sucrose. You're now printing candy canes in your 3D printer. So in all essence, a 3D printer is a regular inkjet printer that we all have at home. But instead of every time you're printing, taking out the piece of paper, putting a new piece of paper, we're printing the same thing on top of itself. So as you can imagine, think of it like uh, I, I kind of compare it, at least in the, in the Jewish world, to printing of a Torah, a Torah scroll. If you look at a Torah scroll, the ink is kind of bumpy. It's thick ink. So what happens if you would write a Torah scroll on top of another Torah scroll? Well, the letters would get higher and higher and thicker and thicker. And that is essentially what 3D printing is doing. We're just printing on top of printing. And then obviously you speed up the process and you could, it, it does take time. When we say print an object, when you say print at home, we talk about how many pages per minute, how many seconds it takes. Here we talk in, we talk in minutes and hours. It could take an hour to, to print a 3D model, but the sky's the limit in terms of the shape, the size, and the material is really where the breakthrough is happening right now. Yeah, so it says printing might be a misnomer. It's almost like having your own manufacturing unit at home. Uh, I, I don't want to sound too much like I'm at Star Trek, but we are literally years, not decades away from printing your own. Anything you can think of definitely made of plastic, a, a phone case. We're literally years away from printing your own phone cases at home. Um uh, alarm clocks, anything definitely in the, like I say, in the plastic and the polycarbonate world right now, we are going to be printing them ourselves at home. The same way, if you wanted to right now, you could print your own pictures at home, which 10 years ago, that was unheard of. Um, we're literally less than a decade away from printing our own, definitely plastic objects in our house. Uh, okay, I don't know if anybody else out there just became a little bit weirded <laughs> out by that entire concept, especially you know using cells instead. Of, like, would you go to Staples still to purchase uh, to purchase the cell cartridges? And the whole concept is is fascinating. And and again, I'll I'll, I'll share one of the thoughts that I think that Ov Jacobs from Late Night Lab shared with us uh, many 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 weeks ago on a show a while ago. And and check out our archives because we've had some really outstanding guests on and, and have really gone various different places. I think we're up to our third company where we've spoken to founders uh, for whom have either now bought, been bought out or merged. Uh, we've had some funders on who obviously have made some uh, interesting funding uh, issues. And now we've got a real provider here with Adam Jeroslam, again from SIGE, the educational division of the Gross Foundation. Um, but what Ovi pointed out then, and I, Adam, I'll, I'll push you on this to see if it's correct, the emphasis on STEM, the emphasis on science, technology, what's the E, engineering and math, um, really will enable our students to go from being spectators in the economy of the future to being actual, actual participants. That, that is very well, very well said, Ari. Yeah, we're no longer, we're no longer looking at what we read in the science newspapers that, you know, what other countries have been developing overseas and they're, now our kids are reading this and saying, Oh my gosh, we can make this now. Let's, let's look into this. Let's develop it. There are kids come back to school all the time saying, Oh, I read this article and I totally know what it's talking about now. Um, I could see at the big culmination of the course, um, we have coming up in May is a, an engineering, uh, engineering conference. And what we have at the end of the course in lieu of a, a paper final is every student has to develop, design and create from scratch some sort of robot or, uh, automated device that, that to solve some sort of problem. Um, and we come together. It's actually going to be in a Hafter Elementary School's gym this coming May. Um, we're going to have about 600 students, engineering students from the New York metropolitan area, um, bringing their robots in. And this is something that had you asked any of these kids a year ago, they would have no clue about anything they would have been doing this year. Literally, I would have known how to go on Amazon and buy something like this. But in terms of developing it, creating it, 
programming it. It is literally from zero to a hundred in one year. Um, and some, and yeah. we, we know the famous Talmudic dictum that Adam Oev Kav Shalom Yoter Mitisha Kav Shalom that a person appreciates much more the thing that they worked for more than the thing that they purchased. So yeah, you can you can go buy a drone, I think, on Amazon, what, what have you, but the ability to design it, to create it, and to build it has to give these kids a tremendous feeling of, of self-respect and confidence. It is... You're, I want to digress a little bit into another... Besides the practical thing that you get from an engineering course, um, when you teach engineering, it is nothing like any other subject that is taught in America currently in our educational system. What I mean by that is in engineering, up until now, if you take any course, um, here's a book, read this paragraph, I'm going to ask you this question on the test and write this answer and you'll get an A. And that is how the educational system in develop in, in, in every subject in this country is working right now. When they get to the engineering course, there is no answer key. There is no what's going to be on the final question. We give you tools. We give you literally tools, screwdrivers and hammers. Um, we give you materials, uh, we give you books, background, and we say, let's figure out how to solve this problem now. And the kid will say, um, we did during Olympics, we had, I'll give you an example, we had a, a mini lab, it was develop a, a timing, you know, so kids run from one end to the room and the, that would create a device that measured how fast they were running from one room to the other. Now you can go on, on Amazon and buy a speed gun, um, some sort of laser photo gate, something, you know, it depends on what you want to spend. Um, and the kid said, okay, well, we're stuck. What do we do? How do we do it? And the teacher then, and it's hard for the teacher as well to, to tell a student, well, I don't know how to do it. We don't, there is no answer key. There is no classroom running speed detector out there that we're trying to copy and emulate. Um, we literally need to figure out. And, and I want to say that for our more academic students, the course is really hard. They're not used to, well, what am I supposed to read tonight? What's going to be on the test? And they, we, there's no answer to that in this kind of in the curriculum. And, and it's hard for students like that to adapt to it. And when you, now what I want to, why I even brought this up is the, the euphoria. Is that a word? Well, we'll say it is one, yeah. <laughs> euphoria. Uh, euphoria that the students get when they solve something like this on their own, when they own it. They've never had a, a topic where they literally are developing the answer key on their own. There's nothing like, and that's when I say excitement a lot, what comes into the course is when a student is given a problem without a solution and solves it on their own and gets these problem solving skills from going through these lessons. There's nothing like that that they get in any other course. They, they come running th- back to the class every day. They, they voluntarily work on their projects at home at night. You ever heard of a student doing homework voluntarily? That's what we get in our course. Voluntary homework doing. Frankly, I've just lost all the believability of what Adam has come to tell us, as have many of the parents, grandparents, and uncles and aunts out there listening to us right now on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is called Tech Talk. You're listening to R.E. Lightstone. I am your host, and we do have Adam Jerusalem here from SIGE, the educational division of the Gross Foundation. You're listening to us on jmandtheam.org or nachumsegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. I'm excited to go online one day to Adorama Camera and uh, purchase, I don't know, whatever else it would be that I'd be purchasing, a camera, a laptop, uh, an iPad, what have you, and just be able to print it out at home. That'll be uh, that'll be a pretty exciting day that we'll have. Some of us are already doing that already. Some of us are already doing that. Okay, so my birthday is coming up very shortly, and anybody who wants to get me a 3D printer would be much appreciated. Truth be told, I'd like to have the opportunity to broadcast live from the competition that you guys are going to have in May. I think that would be pretty exciting. It's going to be quite the event. I'll give you a, a, a glimpse into some of the things that your students out there make, some of your your, your kids out there are making. Um, just off the top of my head, one of the, the schools, they, they weren't mopping the bathroom often enough. So this group of girls in a girl's school, I'll give you that, um, is developing an autonomous robot that's going to drive around the bathroom looking for spills, water, and when it finds it, automatically mop it up. We have another group. Um, unfortunately, one of the kids' students' grandfathers is wheelchair-bound, and it's going to be a voice-activated wheelchair where literally you say forward, back, left, right, and, and the wheelchair just goes there. Now, if I told you that a 10th grader, an example, a DRS, a local school, if I told you a 10th grader in DRS a year ago was making a voice-activated wheelchair, you'd look at me like I was crazy. And we're yes. literally going to have five to 600 students making projects just like that in Hafter Middle School 
this coming May. So that is the, when I say zero to a hundred, it's literally night and day in what we're bringing to these students in these courses. Uh, to, to me, I mean, just the concept that, uh, those ideas that were thought out there, which, which you sort of jumped my next question, but I'm excited to hear it. It's one thing to be able to say, I'm going to give you the problem or the challenge of running from one side of the classroom to the other side of the classroom. The second question is, do we teach our kids how to come up with the problems themselves? And it sounds like that's what this final is. It's not enough. You give them the problem. They have to creatively solve it. They need to come up with a problem. Definitely. And, and believe it or not, that, that process itself could take weeks and sometimes months. So when we start getting into that process of we're going to be creating our own, our own robot, quote unquote, now, for the kids to just think of the ideas out there, you know, what are some things that we're having troubles with that we need fixing for? And that in itself is a lot of, a lot of brainstorming. Kids learn how to work off of each other. And, um, it's, it's, it's interesting to see some of the ideas the kids could come up with. Um, it's exciting. And you and I spent a fair amount of time, I think, discussing this in, in education in general when we were at NCSY that, uh, w- when you, when you give something to a kid, uh, to a student, uh, to anybody. So they can appreciate it, they can internalize, and they can potentially grow from it. But when the student picks something that they can do from a leadership perspective, from a confidence perspective, from any of those perspectives, and they now own it, they might fail. And maybe it's even more likely that they would fail. I assume that there are some ridiculously bad ideas yeah. that students come up with as well. <laughs> but but it's important to express those ideas. It's important to discuss why that might be a good or why it might not be a good idea. Definitely. And when I when I mentioned before the kids go home and do the optional homework and uh and it seemed unbelievable literally um we and that has 100% to do with the buy in mm-hmm. the kid made up the homework assignment that he's working on so when i give a kid a paragraph to read and go home obviously he has no interest in going home and reading and that that's what we call mandatory homework but when i tell the kid go think of an idea and go make it the kid has a 100% buy in and that is a big part of that enthusiasm that the kids have, the students have when they go home and want to after class stay and come in on their lunch period and work on these, work on these projects. So, and what age for those of us who don't yet have middle or high school students out there, what, what can we be doing as parents of elementary, maybe even lower elementary school students, uh, to be getting our kids prepped for this STEM society that, uh, that please God they'll be growing up in? Oh, Ari, you hit it on the nail. Um, we've actually been working on that our, ourselves. We we started developing the course. We it was originally 11th and 12th graders. We brought it down to 9th and 10th graders now, and we noticed that even our 9th graders were coming in with kids. You know, kids from other foreign countries are doing what these 9th graders are doing in fourth grade. So we're actually sides now under the leadership of the the Gross Foundation is bringing in engineering what we're calling engineering modules into lower schools starting in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Um, where if you're in a, any of the mainstream day schools now, um, and definitely in the New York metropolitan area, um, pretty much most Jewish elementary schools in this country are under the Sage Foundation. And if you're listening and you are not yet on that, um, what are the odds? How, how does one get in touch with you? I don't, I don't want our listeners to miss out on this opportunity. Google Sage, um, Center for Initiatives in Jewish Education, contact us, um, we love finding schools that, that aren't under our umbrella yet, but almost all are. Um, and what we're doing now for the elementary schools is providing them science modules. And in some cases, science curriculum. So you buy your science textbook and the kid learns about whatever they're learning in 6th and 7th and 8th grade science. And we're giving them these engineering and robotic modules. So the teacher will spend a few weeks learning about circuitry, a few weeks working about um, levers, physics, high school level, high school level robotics material that will then allow them even coding. You could, you could have sixth graders coding, you know, writing, um, computer programs is not unheard of. It's, it's, it's becoming commonplace. And you're creating those modules for students as young as sixth grade. Yeah. Oh, you definitely sixth. We're, we're only up to sixth grade. Uh-huh. As time goes on, it's going to get sooner and sooner. And people say, oh, well, this is crazy. You know, how, wh- wh- why do you think this is the way to be going? Um, a lot of time in the tech world, we look for, we look as Google as the leader. If Google is into something, we could tell, well, that's likely going to be, you know, where the tech industry is going. And I want to say now that Google, um, unfortunately is behind sides in this recently sponsored AP, AP engineering. Um, they sponsored, they created a course, a test. They're sponsoring, I don't remember how many schools, high schools across the country. Google is instituting, um, an AP engineering test, um, and a course and a test. So, well, we're, we've been doing that for three or four years already. 
Um, and we hope to incorporate whatever they come up with into our, into our program. But engineering is, is, it's coming into the educational system. It's in high school now. It's coming into the lower schools. Um, there's stuff that are, we're, we need to teach our kids in ninth and tenth grade that they should have known in sixth and seventh grade. Um, I can just imagine them sitting around Google headquarters right now, <laughs> hoping that they catch up with size one of these days. So it's, uh, maybe, maybe they'll share some of the funding. And, and just as a, as a shameless plug, uh, I do enjoy golfing and a lot of the, the golf outings that, uh, that are had throughout, uh, uh, the New York area, but the Sage golf outing, um, yeah, you know, in, in conjunction with, uh, with Gross is really one of the most enjoyable ones, both, both the, the people that are out there and, and it's really a great cause because if, if we are not able to adopt and to adapt to this level of education, uh, we won't be able to have the schools and the students that we've had today. We know, and we speak about this all the time on, on this show and so many other shows, the concept of sustainability. One of the key metrics of sustainability is, is being able to be employed, uh, being able to, to own and direct companies, and, and having knowledge, again, of the STEM field takes us from you know, spectators, even even very helpful spectators in some of the ancillary fields that will assist these to happen, but to really the drivers, and that's uh, that's oh so important. It really, it really, really is. Um, so, what are the challenges in implementing what you're doing in these various different schools? Um, great question, I. Um, it's definitely not the schools. Um, the schools and the educators. People now see that there's a future. They're they're dying for more material. How can we implement this? The problem has been finding teachers. Um, there are no such thing as engineering teachers in high schools and elementary schools. We have biology teachers, chemistry teachers, physics teachers are a little closer. Um, and that's not unique to day schools. That's no, not unique yeah. to Jewish schools. That's that, across, there's no such thing as an engineering and, teacher. Exactly. Okay. So now we, we're developing this engineering curriculum. We want to start teaching. We know that our students need to learn how to program now, how to use a 3D printer, um, if they want to go into the engineering field. Um, but we need people that could teach it to them. And so a lot of our resources and our attention has been become training teachers. Um, we take a bio teacher, a chemistry teacher, and we teach them computer programming. We take a physics teacher and we teach them manufacturing. Um, so it's almost like a, a new degree, a new education for these teachers. And that has been the biggest hurdle, I'd say, for us. Um, thank God they've, they've been tremendous success because the teachers buy in. They know it's the future. They, they've really, you know, been 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 great at that. Um, but when we find a teacher that's good at this, that's golden right now. Um, and when schools find teachers that could teach this, it's, they're looking for that also. Sure. So for all aspiring teachers that are out there, um, all the, you know, games that you played, um, on, on the computer, et cetera, uh, you know, certainly wasn't a waste of time. I, I would even argue that one should be including that on their resume. How, what, what other things can teachers or parents or even students do? outside of what Gross has been creating in order to make sure that their skills are, are more well honed in these specific uh, areas. If I'm, if I'm a teacher out there and I'm nervous about my job security, if I want to take a step up, what can I do this summer uh, in order to enhance my skills? Great question, Ari. Um, there's, there's tons of free educational material out there. I'll just, I'll name the top two that I know. Um, Kahan Academy. Um, if anyone does know, it's a free quote unquote university. You just watch um, videos, summaries, um, it's really a breakthrough in how they do it. It's um, You could take a year's worth of material, I'd say, in two weeks. Um, you have to check it out, Khan Academy, K-A-H-N. Um, I would definitely look into some physics and programming courses on there. Um, and if you want something a little more official, MIT now, in a conglomerate with another top um, Ivy League institutions in engineering, I don't remember which ones, um, but you can go to MIT's website, and they offer free courses with certification. So you go to MIT, it's a little bit longer, it's, um, usually it takes a few months, you like one day a week, you watch a video, they give you some assignment, you send it in, um, there's literally tens of thousands of people signing up for these courses, um, it's another breakthrough in, edu- in engineering education, um, and, and you get a certification from MIT that you're certified in Java programming or whatever you choose to take courses. So that definitely, if you're applying for one of these STEM educator positions, which are constantly being open and unfortunately not fulfilled with, you know, people that we want them fulfilled with, um, having an MIT certification in programming 
or um, robotics would definitely be a golden ticket on your resume for something like these. Now, this is interesting, and, and I wanted to remind all of our listeners that are out there, uh, we've been listening to Adam Jerusalem from SIGE, the Center of Initiatives in Jewish Education. Center for Initiatives in Jewish Education. If you haven't found them, if you have students, uh, kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews that haven't come home glowing, about, I don't know whether they would call it side gross or just building robots. Uh, but, uh, if, if they haven't, engage them in conversation and find out why they have not. And let's see if we can get side into your school if it's not there already. And if it is and your students haven't taken advantage of it, let's, let's encourage everybody to have an opportunity to, to take advantage of that. I want to remind everybody that you're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Arya Lightstone, and you can listen to us either on jmintheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. We are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please ch- check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Uh, so we began the show discussing how education is a great equalizer and uh, school, like Lawrence High, for example, uh, you know, can get involved with robotics, but mostly that's coming from a club from a extracurricular, from something that students are doing uh, outside of the regular purview of core curriculum. So how you've um, put your courses, your curriculums into school, does it become mandatory? Does it take the place of a different science? How does that work? Do Are we adding more hours onto our educational day? Um, great question, Arie, and I'll tell you exactly how it starts. Um, the first year the schools in the program, they normally give it as an elective. Um, so it'll usually be up there competing with Spanish or French or earth science, you know, one of the tier two sciences, so to speak. Um, and they'll get, you know, 10, 15, 15 students. Um, by year two, there's usually two classes, usually about 50 kids, um, are opting into the course by the third year. Usually the entire school is taking the course. So I'd say off the top of my head, TABC, um, in Jersey, um, they offer it to the entire school, the Jewish High School of Connecticut. They're in their first year. By next year, the entire school will be taking the course. So it usually starts off slow, and by the second or third year, it's usually the entire school. Um, now, we do it by grade. So obviously, if you're already past that grade level, you'll miss out. But let's say the incoming in Frisch, um, there's somewhere in the range of 50 to 60 students in Frisch in the course already. Now, that's a bigger school, but that comes out to about next year, somewhere about 70 to 80% of the incoming freshmen are going to be taking this course. Wow. And, and, and what's, and I, I know this isn't your, your, your engineering and you're the implementer, et cetera, and, and one of the innovators, just from a sheer dollar amount, it, it strikes me that if I'm going to build a voice controlled wheelchair, mm-hmm. um, or I'm going to design a robot that's going to mop the bathrooms. I'm actually brainstorming a couple of robots that we can use in the house over here. But uh, where, how does the division of, of expenses sort of come into place? And is that something that you're comfortable sharing with us? Um, yeah, I, I, uh, we can, I could delve a little bit into it. Uh, it's not cheap developing cutting-edge curriculum. Um, and we do a great job as Jews of keeping the cost down, we think. It costs us about ten dollars to $15,000 to start the course in a school. Um, that's with all the robotics equipment that we're providing, the hands-on training. Um, every day is a lab. There's no frontal teaching. Um, you don't go there and sit and listen to some teacher lecture. Um, when are you building a school like that? I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> we're actually working on one now. Um, in Jersey, I don't want to give the name of the school. Um, they're a new school. They're building a new um, facilities right now. We're working on them with developing the first engineering classroom. So what would be in an engineering classroom? That's a great question. So that's what we're working on now. But um, and so that's how much. So we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars that, thank God, the Gross Foundation is providing a portion of. Um, and we do through fundraising through the golf tournament and um, and just viewers and listeners out there that their students, their kids come home so excited and and you know want to expand the the course. Um, and on a, a student level, each student is uh, paired in groups of three for the final project and giving a budget of $100 to create their creation, so to speak. Um, and that might not sound like a lot for a voice-controlled wheelchair, um, but when you're given a budget like $100, you can create one for $100. Um, and a lot of part, when we say um, development in this country, um, manufacturing, a big cost of that is not always an idea from scratch out of the cloud. You know, a flying car or something of that nature. It's taking something that exists that um, that is just not out there for for the everyday citizen. I'll give you an example. Um, 
a group in a group in DRS is creating a voice activated alarm clock. Sorry, not a they're not, not the wheelchair group. Different group is that. But um, there's tons of things out there for the blind, you know, and and the disabled, unfortunately. But uh, there's nothing out there for fifteen dollars. You know, there's um, some group in Hafter, Hebrew Academy of Five Towns in the Rockaways, is making a a blind walking stick. So every blind person has a walking stick. It's about $15, $20 on Amazon. You can pick them up. This one tells them if they're about to step in a puddle or if they're walking down steps, how many steps are left. So they don't have to stop on each step and tap it. So something like that. Well, everyone has a blind stick. A blind, every blind man has a walking stick. It's only about $15, $20. But we're creating a smart one that we say, oh, well, we don't have thousands of dollars. To, well, that's going to cost about $45. So a big... A big uh, hurdle in development is not just the idea. It's now how do I make it so people could actually afford it and people could actually buy it. Um, so a real component here is the budget, and, and it's yeah. important. It's not that the kids can go home and say, "Okay, they gave me a hundred bucks. I, I've got ten thousand bucks, exactly. and uh, and to, to make what I need to do." No, I've got a hundred bucks, and I need to compete with right. the hundred bucks. And a second component, and I think this is really important. I, I I haven't focused on this, and and we haven't focused on this on the show at all. So for the listeners out there, I think what Adam just shared with us is really important. A huge part of engineering isn't coming up with something from scratch necessarily. It's taking an idea and making it better. Yes. It's taking a concept and making it work better. It's taking a product even and making it more affordable. Definitely, definitely. And a lot of development nowadays, all the ideas are taken up, kids say. A lot of the new products out there are just an improvement on something that's out there already. And when all of a sudden no one had it, now you see it in everyone's house. So um, as times change, we need to use our products differently. And um, coming up with the usage and the the remanufacturing, as, as we would call it, um, is a big innovative factor that definitely counts for a lot nowadays. And to the degree, and maybe you guys don't focus on this at all, do you discuss intellectual property with the students? Meaning, t- to me, getting into a sounds like a free for all, mm-hmm. and to 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 me at least, a huge part of that is attractive. Uh, but at the end of the day, what's the sensitivity there? towards, again, taking an idea and tweaking it, do we get into that or that's just not really in the purview no. of, of what Saj is doing? We don't, but the students definitely get into it. It's when the students are excited about a project and when they know they have something that is something that people would actually want to purchase, they ask us, well, the Saj is doing this so that they could buy all of our patents. Um, no, we're not. Um, the intellectual property, you can't discuss engineering without intellectual property. Sure. Um, it all belongs to the students. The students come up with it, it's theirs. Um, as soon as you come up with idea, as soon as you speak it, you've automatically copyrighted it. So, um, if you're a lawyer out there, you could, you could call in on, uh, but, uh, a copyright, it belongs to the students. Um, we've encouraged students in the past to take their ideas. We've, um, put them in touch with companies that could help them further their idea, um, advertise it, help them with the with the large-scale manufacturing but definitely all the we're here to engage the students and if a student has a an idea that they want to take forward um we love it it would only give us further success to have the student take that idea and further it so intellectual property is a very serious um topic and we encourage the students i mean usually the students are aware when they have an idea that is something that that could be made made uh public and we encourage them to do that. You know, it's only it's only in their benefit and in our benefit to have students coming out with uh, with products like that. In just the last minute or two that we have left with Adam Jerusalem here again from Sage, the educational division of the Gross Foundation, just share with us quickly. You've shared with us some pretty cool, innovative ideas. What are some of the more ridiculous uh, ideas that you're comfortable sharing with us? Um, a personal favorite, um, a group of girls in, uh, in Hank is actually creating a sneaker for basketball players that will monitor when you've been in the paint for three seconds. There's a lot of uh, controversy with the refs on the three-second rules, so uh, this sneaker will take care of that. That's a, that's a fun and exciting one. Well, I'd like to point out during March Madness that might actually yeah. have a great uh, uh, marketing component to that, so that's exciting. And it will monitor when you're in the paint. So awesome. Yeah, so um, that, that was creative. You know, not every DA necessarily has to be, you know, in the biomedical cur- curing uh, a disease or something. But uh, we let the students run with anything they're enthusiastic about. Um, that I think, will, you know, will be a good project. Not necessarily a good sale, but um, they're excited about it, so we're excited about it. And they're learning about, you know, Wi-Fi, 
Um, RFID wireless is involved in that project. Um, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. So we're excited about it. <laughs> I love it. And also anything that we can do to reduce yelling at referees, I think especially in Yeshiva League basketball, I think is probably a benefit. Uh, for everybody, uh, including uh, anybody concerned with the Midos that are necessarily involved. So I, I wanted to take the opportunity to thank Adam for joining us this morning. It really is a pleasure. Um, you know, we work with we, we worked with each other a little while ago, and you get to see sort of the divergent paths that people take. And, and it was unique and rare for us to have an engineer involved with NCSY. And, uh, and when you went off to create nuclear submarines, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but for me to see you imparting your enthusiasm, charisma, uh, but most importantly, making engineering cool uh, for our students uh, today to be the engineers of tomorrow, I think means a tremendous amount. Wanted to remind the listeners that we've been having Adam Jeroslam from SIGE, a division of the Gross Educational uh, 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 Foundation, here on Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Ari Lightstone. You've been listening to us on jmtheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than a camera store, please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Adam, thank you so much for coming on. I hope to see you and your students very soon in the future. Thank you very much. It's uh, been a pleasure. Uh, looking forward to meeting the future engineers of America out there. Looking forward. Thank you. And welcome back to Tech Talk with Argy Lightstone here on the Nachum Siegel Network. You're listening to us on jmandtheam.org or nachumsegel.com. Uh, we're proud, as always, to be sponsored by Adorama Camera. Check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. So we've had a fascinating show so far. Uh, Adam Jerazlan really, I think, enlightened, certainly me, hopefully you as well, in terms of the concept of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, the focus that that brings for both new jobs, but even uh, awareness in terms of how it will affect pretty much everybody's job. Like, like Adam pointed out, maybe a decade ago, we couldn't have anticipated printing most of our own pictures at home. Uh, but I remember going to CVS or some store like that uh, a couple weeks ago with my oldest, who's uh, five and a half, almost six. And uh, he was asking, you know, what, what happens behind that counter? And behind that counter is the Photoshop. And that would be the place that we would bring our film. And he tried to explain to him what film is. And that's, you know, a fascinating concept in and of itself. Who, who cares how many times you press, uh, you know, take the picture because you're not using film. You're not exposing anything the vast majority of the time. It's a digital picture. The only thing you're doing is taking up uh, memory. And, you know, people buy more memory. It's just an interesting concept. And, and for so many different reasons, that's why it's important to be involved with STEM, to emphasize STEM. And to make sure that our kids become uh, fluent and proficient in all areas, the science, the technology, uh, the engineering and the math, but also the other component that Adam brought up. Uh, Again, Adam is one of the lead engineers with SIGE, which is the educational division of the Gross Foundation. Um, But one of the other components that he brought up, which I think is very interesting, but not one that I would have thought of, which is the lack of teachers who are qualified or proficient in engineering and technology. Plenty of teachers uh, teach math, obviously. Plenty of teachers teach science. Uh, But to be teaching uh, math and technology, etc., math, uh, excuse me, technology and engineering, that is something that not every teacher is certainly capable or qualified in order to do. And that's an important thing uh, for us to keep in mind. So for aspiring teachers out there, existing teachers out there who are looking to make themselves more qualified and and uh, more indispensable, that certainly seems uh, like a place that somebody would be. Uh, even those looking to invent themselves for a second career, uh, Adam did point out both at Khan Academy and on the MIT website, uh, different places where one can train themselves basically for free uh, to be qualified in doing this. Now, granted, I think one has to have a proclivity uh, to do these things. I don't think it's something that somebody can turn on uh, one day versus the next and uh, and suddenly, next thing you know, you're an engineering or technology expert. But that brings back to the point of this show, really the very origins of where Tech Talk came from and the connectivity uh, to Israel, the connectivity to the concept that we've mentioned so many times of Startup Nation. And uh, that's an interesting idea. What What is the quote-unquote advantage uh, that it seems to be in Israel so many of these high-tech 
solutions are coming out day after day, week after week. I, I saw, and if you if you don't follow, we've had as a guest on our show before John Medved. And if you're not following John Medved, follow me uh, at Lightstone A. I retweet a lot of stuff that John sends out, and uh, he really is up to date with the latest and greatest and most of the breaking news that comes out of Israel, especially in the technology and entrepreneur world. Uh, but if you follow some of the articles that he sends out also, one of the things that hit me recently, and only when talking to Adam, and he really was a great interview, I think, um, when when speaking to Adam, it, it shifts what education is supposed to be about to a great degree. How often do we give our students information that they need to digest, understand, and then sort of spit back? And that's certainly not all education. And I'm not one of the people who says our entire educational system needs to change. But I do think that we need to adopt and to uh, adapt to the times that we're in. And we need to become a greater problem-solving nation, people. And to a great degree, you know, that's sort of what the, the Torah study, Talmud study has always been. Um, there rarely is one specific answer. Uh, there are normally numerous different answers. And whether you're studying the greatest breadth or the greatest depth, seems to be that every twist and turn that you take uh, uniquely positions us to be able to be um, problem solvers and outside-the-box thinkers. And, and I think that's exciting. By, by, by almost by definition, we're tinkerers, and I think that's important. But in, but in Israel, we're not tinkerers necessarily out of choice. I think oftentimes we're tinkerers out of necessity. And uh, there's that favorite quote, which unfortunately I don't have right in front of me, so I, I don't want to butcher it, but it has something to do with, uh, you know, Ben-Gurion was asked, um, you know, uh, that which is very difficult will take us a little bit of time, that which is impossible will take us just a little bit longer, that uh, uh, when you have a situation of necessity, you have to figure out an answer, and the answer uh, isn't no, and the answer isn't we can't do it, the, the answer is we're going to do it, we just have to figure out how, even if the rest of the world says that it's impossible, and every student in Israel, who winds up with military service, which I know is a hot-button topic at the moment, but every student, every young man or young woman in Israel who winds up with military service winds up in a situation in training or in deployment where they're forced and faced with a situation where they need to adopt and adapt, uh, oftentimes rapidly. And the answer there isn't, we can't. And the answer there isn't, I didn't think of that. And the answer there isn't, well, we, we didn't come up with something or let's look up the book because there is no book on a lot of the different things. It's coming up with the solutions. And to a great degree, tinkers who become tinkers by nature continue to do so. Uh, and like Adam pointed out, there are really two unique types of engineers. And there's not one is better than the other. There are those who take a good idea and are able to make it great, a walking stick that tells you how many stairs are left. Uh, for people who are uh, vision impaired or a walking stick that uh, enables you to avoid puddles, etc. That, that's brilliant. Why that doesn't exist, I don't know. Um, and there are other, so you, you've taken something that works and made it work better or made it more affordable or made it more efficient or whatever the right answer would be there or to the other end of the spectrum is you take something and uh, you create it from scratch. I, I think that uh, Adam mentioned to me off the air that uh, where are the greatest inventions? Go to the things that cause you the greatest amount of aggravation. He quoted this from the founder of uh, Duracell PowerMet. So it's, it used to be called PowerMet, another Israeli company. They were bought out by Duracell. And if you haven't seen that, it's one of those things you can just put your device on this mat and your device begins to charge. Really fascinating thing. And Adam was explaining to me that when he interacted with the CEO of PowerMet that was bought out by Duracell, so now it's called Duracell PowerMet, that the CEO said... How do you know when you're onto something pretty cool? Says when you solve something that would bring somebody tremendous consternation. So originally they thought power mat makes all the sense in the world. We're going to make all of the cabinets and all of the kitchens power mat. So your food processor will be done this way and your, I don't, your toaster oven, your microwave, all these things will be charged via the power mat. And he discovered that most people aren't so aggravated how their microwave gets its charge and how their toaster oven gets its charge and everything else like that. Those aren't things that cause people tremendous consternation to the point that they have to change how their kitchen looks and how it feels. And they have to now work with the cabinet people and their 55 other 
factors that now get involved in, in that decision in terms of using that power. So he said, I was involving more people and I wasn't solving a very large problem. He said, what problem did I need to solve with power, Matt? It, it's every new phone I've got has a different plug and every new uh, time I go traveling. So I leave the plug in the hotel or at the office or at work or at home or in this room or in that room. He said that became annoying. When I was able to solve that, and I could simply put my phone down on my desk or on my cabin or wherever it is that I am, and it's charging, and I don't need to worry about plugging it in or it being within, you know, eight feet of this place versus that place. He said, at that point in time, I know I solved the problem that people had, and I was able to make a tremendous amount of money in that specific direction. So that's the second type of engineering. It's finding a problem that makes somebody go, darn it, or makes somebody uh, disturbed or upset or whatever else it would be. And when you can solve that problem, you know that there's value in that particular situation. So I wanted to remind everybody out there, you're listening to R.E. Lightstone on Tech Talk. It's really been a privilege and a pleasure to be hosting this show and to have an opportunity one hour a week to talk to you about some of the newest and, and most interesting things that are going on. We had as a guest today, Adam Jerusalem from SIGE, the educational division of Gross, and, and what they're doing really just knocked my socks off, just really exciting. And I can listen to... People talk about 3D printing all day. I'd like to get somebody on from a 3D printing company so we can understand a little bit more about that. But to see our students really excelling and growing in the concept of STEM, of science, technology, engineering, and math, I think is really important uh, and uh, and hopefully is really impressive. I, I hope that we don't get to the stage, or maybe we will get to the stage, where the kids come home and they sort of peak because we can't encourage them further. And this happens in numerous different subjects when the parents aren't experts in whatever the subject would be. I think one of the, one of the parents came to me and, and, and were talking about the, the greatness of Khan Academy is that they didn't need to do math homework with their kids anymore because they know how much math frustrated them. So there's no reason to put a ceiling on their kids' math abilities because it was frustrating to the parents. So what do they do? They, they watch Khan with the kids. If you haven't been to Khan Academy, I've encouraged you several times to go check it out, khanacademy.org. And uh, you can look up pretty much anything science or math related, other things also. But I think that they excel mostly in the science and math direction. And you have parents be able to raise the ceiling on their on their personal expectations, but also the expectations of the of the students and those people involved in education um, in all aspects. Uh, normally tell parents, if you want your kids to excel in learning, they have to see you learn as well. And that, normally we use those words, learning, uh, for Judaic studies, for Kodesh, for, for uh, Talmud and Torah and Gemara, etc. But it also applies for other things. If we want, like Adam stressed, kids to go home and do their own work uh, voluntarily, they essentially create their own assignments in robotics and science and engineering, so they have to see parents with continuing education as well. And, and sometimes that's as simple as when you bring home a new device, uh, you know, uh, uh, playing around with it and learning about it together or, or watching instructional videos or, or tinkering. These are things that I think it's important for kids to see parents do. And, uh, and that's something that, uh, that I think that each one of us uh, can teach our kids and imbue in our households in terms of the applications that go on there. Uh, once again, wanted to remind everybody that we are sponsored by our dear friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Check them out online at adoramacamera.com, at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street uh, to go see what new toy you can bring home, what new tool you can bring home, and how you can tinker uh, with it with you and the whole family and, and bring some of the STEM, the science, technology, engineering, and math uh, at home for you. So that I think is, is, is pretty interesting. Going back to the Israel component once more, that, uh, when you're faced with trying to figure out various different challenges and problems and you have to adopt and adapt on your own at that point in time, uh, again, the words can't, uh, and shouldn't, uh, you know, sort of, uh, vacate your vocabulary and you're, and you're forced to come up with the appropriate things that can make, uh, make this happen. I would encourage that we can bring that type of atmosphere to our homes as well. Oftentimes, uh, and Dr. Rona Novik speaks about this. Uh, I hope I'm not misquoting her. Uh, one of the uh, education experts, I believe now the new head of Azrieli Yeshiva Universities, uh, one of the Yeshiva Universities graduate schools, the Graduate School for Education. Um, and for those people, just as as a complete aside, uh, you know, I had the privilege of watching Yeshiva Universities Chaga Smicha yesterday. Uh, I graduated over 200. Uh, newly ordained rabbis, and it was tremendously moving, uh, just tremendously moving, uh, optimistic, just like hearing Adam speak about Gross today, uh, have an opportunity to uh, 
to hear all the really outstanding things that are going on. Uh, incredibly, incredibly moving uh, and very exciting. And I thought that was uh, that was important and valuable as well. Uh, but Dr. Novik speaks about this. I believe it's it's her, and if not, I heard it from somebody else in in the Israeli school that we we become fixers for our kids because it's faster and it's easier that the, our kids have a problem, so we solve it. Um, our kids have a challenge, so we hire somebody to help them solve it. We don't necessarily let our kids uh, struggle, uh, and sometimes that means fail in terms of trying to solve their various different problems. And part of that, like Adam said, is presenting an open-ended question, an open-ended uh, challenge that uh, that the kids not only have to come up with maybe even defining what the challenge is, but they also have to come up with what the solution is. And there might not be a correct solution. There may be different attempts, and that's that's a valuable thing. That is education. I think if we've learned something together on today's Tech Talk, it's about making sure that it's not the tools that we necessarily need to be learning but it's the it's the internal tools. It's the skills that we need to have in order to come up with what are the challenges? What are the challenges that make us think? What are the challenges that frustrate us? And uh, uh, how do we go from there? And, and, and with that, if we can walk away with that idea, hopefully we'll be able to have this Tech Talk be meaningful and impactful for all of us. Again, thank everybody for tuning in to NahumSiegel.com or JMTheAim.org. It's been R.E.A. Lightstone on Tech Talk. Having a really enjoyable day with you guys. Speak to you next week. Have an outstanding week. Thank you.